He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everybody my name's charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer ce dorset and normally these shows would be coming out on monday we're going to our new weekly format at least through um the end of november we'll see how this works and uh meant to do this yesterday but uh life intervened and we were on the road for five hours, well, probably closer to six. Yesterday, we had to do some traveling and talking to people and whatnot, and it was uh, it was a lot. <laughs> so I didn't get this, and I'm sorry. But today, we're going to talk about what I'm calling the Lorica of Creation Spirituality. And I kind of want that to be a topic that we'll discuss maybe next week, because while I love practicing CS and I've been a big proponent of creation spirituality for a long time, I think we need a rebranding, something a little bit easier to say, but we'll talk about that later. If you don't know, a lorica is a breastplate. It's actually a Roman style breastplate, and the word did go into other languages to mean breastplate as well. For a while, the format of prayer, known as a lorica, was very popular, and there are quite a few if you actually look through the history of written prayers, the most famous of which is probably the Lorica of St. Patrick, and that's one that I particularly love and have used in my own devotions for quite some time. The basic idea of a Lorica is that you are invoking God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity, to stand with you and to remind you of your place in the world and to guide and guard you throughout the day. So Lorica is a morning prayer. And used properly, they are a very powerful morning prayer. So Loricas were very prominent in monasteries and were often used as invocations for protection. They took on kind of the form of a litter of a uh, litany, but were different. For example, one as an invocation to the archangels went something akin to Gabriel be my be my breastplate, Michael be my belt, Raphael be my shield. And they continued in this tradition for some time. And we ha- there are several famous loricas, like I said, there's the lorica of St. Patrick um which is a very very beautiful prayer and one I might actually do an episode on at some point because it is beautiful, haunting, interesting, and 
oddly sexist at one point, which is one of the reasons why I wanted a Lorica that I could say with uh, out feeling like I was insulting an entire gender, because that that's important to me. So, the basic structure we're, we're going to get into, I've posted a copy of the Lorica up on wisdomscry.com for both solitary and group devotion, and I thought we could begin our discussion by just reciting it. So I'm going to use the group devotion version of it, when basically the difference is whether it says I or we between, between the two. And afterwards, we'll go through and break down the parts. And in a lot of ways, this to me is the creed of my faith. So let us begin. In the name of Christ Jesus, we rise from the ashes of ignorance. We break the chains of attachment. We quench the fires of aversion, pride, and envy and walk the narrow way of light and life. By the power of the Spirit, we grow in faith. We quicken to life everlasting. We awaken our watchful minds. We know we are not alone. We flower in wisdom. We turn from the shadowed path to walk in the kingdom of our Father. We arise in faith through the God found in wonder and nature, by the one met in silence and letting go the creator with whom we give birth, in the healer combating suffering and injustice. On the path of bliss we are words of God spoken in awe and wonder. On the path of silence we are echoes of the voice empty of self and form. On the path of creation we are artists who co-create the world. On the path of change we are unity and praise, the voice and hand of justice. Everything changes, not just us, and there is an end to suffering. Christ, the divine imagination, cover us with your wings. The word with us, the word to our right, the word to our left, the word before us, the word behind us, the word beneath us, the word above us, the word in us. The word in the ear of all who hear us, the word in the eye of all who see us, the word in the mind of all who think of us, the word in all our thoughts, the word in all our acts. Today, we arise through the wonder, emptiness, creativity, and glory of the one in whom we live, move, and have our being. Amen. And that is the prayer. So we begin with an invocation of the Trinity, beginning first by praying in the name of Christ Jesus. So in the name of Christ Jesus, this is important. Because coming from a Christian perspective, the Lord Jesus Christ told us that whatever we ask in his name, we shall receive. And so whenever we pray, we always pray in the name of Christ Jesus. What then follows, if you are familiar with them, is an invocation against the five poisons. The five poisons are ignorance, attachment, aversion, pride, and envy. These are the things that prevent us from achieving wisdom and keep us from achieving enlightenment. These are the ignominious powers that exist within us 
that we must work to thwart and to break down. And this is the work of Christ our Liberator, Christ our Savior. We arise from the ashes of ignorance. Jesus' main goal, we learn in uh, John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, is that we may know God as Christ knew God. And this is one of the main thrusts of Jesus' teaching. And this is eternal life, that they may know you and the one who sent you, Jesus says. And so, in the eradication of ignorance, be that ignorance of the divine, ignorance of compassion, ignorance of the other, we become better, stronger, and more fully developed people. So you can see right from the beginning, we are setting up our ambitions for the day, for our lives. These are the things that we are to do. We are to rise from the ashes of ignorance, which means that we have to be mindful of when we are being ignorant and start learning to see it, start to see those gaps in our understanding and in our knowledge that need to be filled that are preventing us from living the best lives that we could live. Ignorance Ignorance in so many ways is the chief poison used by the enemy that's used by Babylon, that's used by all of the enemies of the kingdom of Zion to keep us apart, to keep us from living the way we should live. That perfect life in the kingdom, that perfect life in Zion, where all are equal in the eyes of God, in the eyes of their sisters and brothers. This is so important to start here. Because once you begin to admit to yourself that there are things that you don't know, that's how you can begin to better everything about yourself. And in fact, in the most intransigent people that I encounter, I see this inability to see their own ignorance. We feel that we are foreign policy experts, or we are tax experts, or we are fill-in-the-blank experts, when we really have no expertise in the matter. As somebody who deals with depression in my own personal life, I have to deal with this a lot from people who feel that they are experts in psychology and psychiatry because they took a class in high school or maybe one in college, but they're not actually studied up on the issues. Maybe they read an article in a magazine or saw a video talking about the subject. And those things do not grant expertise. One of the reasons I feel so comfortable talking about creation spirituality is that I have practiced it for almost 20 years. This has been a very profound part of my life. 
and something that I think about regularly and work on improving my understanding and my practice on. I have spent the last 20 years attempting to remove ignorance from myself when it comes to these issues. I don't feel that I'm anywhere near finished with that project. And I don't know that I ever will feel finished with that project. And that is a good thing. So many people feel like they have to have all of the answers and understanding as we do here in this prayer that we begin by arising from the ashes of ignorance. We are always going to lack an understanding, a thorough and complete understanding of some things. And while I don't want to take the time to go into digression here about entering the cloud of unknowing and realizing that that state of questioning is a profound mystical state of being. I do believe that the first step on any spiritual or religious path is the admission that we don't know everything. We break the chains of attachment. Attachment for me has so many different meanings, one from the teachings of the Buddha and others from the teachings of the Stoics, both of whom talked about attachment to a great degree. Epictetus spends a lot of time talking about tell yourself not that you love this cup, but that you love cups so that when this one falls to the ground and shatters, it does not bring you sadness. That's not a direct, an exact quote. I was trying to remember the exact quote, but that's close to how he said it. And he extends this out to people, you know, say not that I love my, my children, but say, I love children. Do not say I love parents, but I love the elderly. And, I think the Stoics sometimes can go a bit far with the levels of detachment that they are working towards. There is a problem that we have with a firm attachment to anything. Attachment is one of the chief causes of suffering and is one of the main reasons why bad things happen. Greed arises from attachment. Avarice arises from attachment. And if we didn't allow ourselves to have that sense of ownership, generally over things that we do not have any ownership on, it would really truly be liberating. I mean, the first noble, um, the second noble truth is, you know, suffering arises from attachment and aversion. And these are the two poisons that we're talking about here. Attachment and the next one is aversion. Attachment, holding on to anything too tightly, is a sure source of suffering. And it's something we need to work on every day. You know, and it's hard. You know, a couple, about a year ago, one of my favorite mugs got shattered. 
And I had a momentary moment where I just freaked out and got really upset because I loved this mug and it meant a lot to me for various reasons. And it, there it is shattered. But I think as important as it is to learn how to not to not to become attached in the first place, this is where the via negativa powers of learning to let go also come in very strongly because sometimes you can't help but develop attachments to people, to places, to pets, to specific items of clothing, you know, there's a lot of things that we can develop attachments to without even realizing that we are developing attachments to them. And so we remind ourselves that these are chains. And they're chains that we do not want to be fettered with. We quench the fires of aversion, pride, and envy. And I group these three poisons together, even though they are different. So aversion is the exact opposite of attachment. While attachment makes you want to hold on to something, aversion makes you want to push it away. And see, this is where I see connections between these things. Pride pushes you above others. Envy draws you towards things. And to me, they are echoes of attachment and aversion. Because pride, and I don't mean like pride in your people or pride in your gender or gender identity or sexual preference because that for a lot of people is actually just them standing up against the aversion and envy and attachment to archaic ideas and the ignorance and pride yeah, the five poisons that other people have against their ethnicity or gender identity or sexual orientation. Pride in this context is when you're literally setting yourself above others. Pride as in the opposite of humility. Humility is everything in its place, everything as it is. Pride is saying, no, I'm better. I'm above. The, these other things are below me. And of course, envy. Envy Wishing you had what others had. Oh, these are all poisons that will tear you apart. And so in rising from the ashes, in breaking the chains, in quenching the fires, we begin to walk the narrow way of light and life. This is another reference to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. In him was light and that light was the life, in him was life, and that life was the light of men, of humanity. That, that, coming full circle from just invoking the name of Jesus to invoking the power of Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the light that shines on the path 
and shows us the way that we should go. Jesus is the path that we walk. Jesus is the life that we have. Next, we invoke the Holy Spirit. Ah, Rabbeinu, our teacher. By the power of the Holy Spirit, and oh, the Holy Spirit is powerful. Not in the way that a lot of evangelicals like to say, the Holy Spirit is not some kind of gumball machine that you just twirl the knob and candy comes out. No, the Holy Spirit is real power. And here we invoke the five strengths and the five powers that with the aid of the Holy Spirit, our teacher, we can learn to have. We grow in faith. Faith, the writer of Hebrews tells us, is the essence of things hoped for. It's the, it is, though, faith is not blind. And anybody who tells you that faith is blind has never developed faith. Faith arises from experience. I have faith that the sun will rise tomorrow because it always has. I have faith that the sun will rise tomorrow because the earth is revolving around the sun. And the very few mechanisms I could see that would prevent us from continuing to rotate and revolve around the sun. Well, we we would know that they were happening long before they actually affected us. Like, I mean, there would have to be a black hole or something really close. And, you know, we we, we would kind of know. But that is faith. I have faith in my friends because they have demonstrated to me over time that they are trustworthy, that they are honest with me, and that they have my interests at heart in most things. This is how life works. Life works off of faith. But faith, as the Apostle Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That, that's what this is. You test things. Right? And through those testings, we develop faith. See, faith isn't what comes first. The test comes first. Someone once told me that meditation would help me have a calmer mind and clearer focus. And I tested that. I sat. I meditated. I had a calmer mind and a clearer focus. And so faith was enkindled in me. And that's where faith comes from. I have faith in Jesus because I have a relationship there that has, for me, shown me that this is a relationship that I can have faith in. Faith is not blind. Faith has something to stand on. In my darkest hours, Mother Mary, I felt her loving arms hold me when I'm crying. Same with Mother Seton. And I have faith because of those things. Not in spite of. 
So faith leads to effort. Faith builds effort. See, that's the next one. I quicken to life everlasting. Life everlasting is effort. It is realizing that the faith that I have can be enacted, that the faith that I have can be brought into fruition, that things can happen, that good things can happen, that it's not all bad, that it's not all darkness. And so faith leads to effort. We grow in faith. We quicken to life everlasting. We awaken our watchful minds. See, this effort leads to mindfulness. We begin to watch. We begin to see. We answer the call that God made in Ezekiel to set a watchman to look over and see and protect the people and to protect the land and to protect the faith. To protect those, the widows and the orphans, and those who need protection. Mindfulness leads to concentration. And in our prayer, we say we know we are not alone. Because concentration is this understanding that we are all interconnected. We are all part of the same fabric. We are all interwoven in a way that Thich Nhat Hanh refers to as interbeing. We inter-are with each other. It's hard to know where my life begins and your life begins. Where, where's the dividing line between us? See, if you want to just cut it off at, at the flesh, we have a problem because I am a part owner in a business in town I only go in maybe once a month or so because my husband runs the business. But I'm connected to it. And so my thoughts and discussions that we have around the house affect the people's lives there, even though they might not even know much about me. Whether or not they can pick me out in a lineup, my life affects them. So it's not just my physical self. It's the whole extension of my life. And that's what we learn through concentration. We learn we are not alone. And in so doing, we flower in wisdom. Because concentration leads to wisdom. And guess what? Wisdom leads to faith. And these build on each other. And these are the powerhouses that give us the strength to act. These are the five strengths that lead to enlightenment. These are the five strengths that lead to liberation. These are the five strengths that help us get through everything. Faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And so we build them every day. And in this prayer, we ask by the power of the Holy Spirit for us to grow in faith, to quicken to life everlasting, which is effort. By my works, I will show you my faith. Right? We awaken our watchful minds. We know we are not alone. We flower in wisdom. We turn from the shadowed path to walk in the kingdom of our Father. And I know some people in the CS tradition, especially Matthew Fox, often phrases this kingdom queendom as they're trying to erode the patriarchal references here. 
And for me, I, I, I think the tradition that we bring with us makes for a powerful statement here. God is our father. The spirit is our mother. Christ is our brother and sister because Christ is the divine wisdom from the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. The wisdom who cries, she cries out in the night. She plays before God. Ecclesiasticus in the book of Sirach, we have this wonderful passage of divine wisdom creating the world with God. That's Jesus. Jesus is the word the word and wisdom of God. And so when we remember our basic Trinitarianism, that there's not one thing that two possess that one doesn't, that all three don't, right? If the Holy Spirit is our mother and God is our father and Christ is both our mother and father, our sister and our brother, our daughter and our son. That means that all three have to be seen as mother, father. All three have to be seen as male and female, which only makes sense. In the beginning, God created us in their image and he created them male and female. That is the image of God, male and female. In the image of God, they, he created them both male and female. So it's not wrong to say God is our father or God is our mother or the spirit is our teacher or the spirit is our mother. These are all things that we can say. And I think we get too bogged down into words when we spend way too much time on here. We are turning from the shadowed path here, remember, to walk in the kingdom of Zion. Zion is the holy mountain of God. Zion is the temple mount. Yes, historically, the literal one in Jerusalem, Mount Moriah. But in the exile, Zion became much more. And to this day, Zion is the kingdom. We live in Zion no matter where we are. I'm here in America's heartland, and I am in Zion. It doesn't matter where you're listening to me. You are in Zion now. And when you say this prayer, if you want to say, in the kingdom of our Father, in the empire of our Father, in the reign of our Mother, whatever you want to say, say it. It doesn't affect me in the slightest. But for me, the image of the Divine Father within the Trinity is very important because I see the Trinity when I think about it most clearly in my mind. It is the Divine Mother of the Holy Spirit, the nurturing Mother of the Holy Spirit, the Divine Father, and the Christ Child. And so that's how I word it here. We arise in faith. Now these should sound familiar. These are the four paths of creation spirituality. We rise in faith through the God found in wonder and nature. Through the God found in wonder and nature. By the one met in silence and letting go. 
the creator with whom we give birth in the in the healer combating suffering and injustice you'll notice i stressed the uh, prepositions there when i said that part of the prayer I did that for a reason. It actually took me a long time. This is one of those sections that took me the longest to write, even though you <laughs> should know if you've listened to this podcast or read Creation Spirituality by Matthew Fox, I didn't actually write these phrases. He is the one who defines path one as where God is found in wonder and nature, where God is met in silence and letting go. That Path three is where we meet the God with whom we give birth. And that in path four, we got, we meet the God, we meet God in combating suffering and injustice. What took me the longest with this is this rubric of through, by, with, in. Because those words to me matter a lot. And this comes from, you know, I am a Marianist and have been for a very long time. And some Louis de Montfort takes a lot of care to talk about how we do things through Mary, by Mary, with Mary, and in Mary. And what that means. And when I was working on this, I kind of realized that this is a way that I have internalized the four paths. And really kind of discerning my own intentions on wanting to use these phrases the way that I did. We arise in faith through the God found in wonder and nature. Through the God. See, it's through this wonder and through these natural processes. That God is the one who we work through in this world that we have here. In this world where... We learn to speak the divine word, where we learn to live in the kingdom of Zion, where we learn hospitality, where we learn to savor again. And in so doing, we learn to operate more fully in the first path, in the path of bliss. It is by the one met in silence and letting go. By that, oh, this is, uh, we break those chains of attachment. We learn to endure our suffering, especially the suffering of our bodies, which often just has to be endured, at least for me. Bad legs and bad back, I've talked about that before on the show. But it's with this creator that we give birth to the world. And to the ideas that we have the courage to ride into existence. It's in this healer that we combat suffering and injustice. And that that's our main mode of operation in the world. On the path of bliss, we are words of God. Spoken in awe and wonder. We are the image of God. We are the image of God. We were created in the image of God and the divine breath blew into us. As God is a trinity, we are a trinity with the nefesh, the ruach, and the neshima, the three aspects of our soul operating as one being, just as God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit operating as one being 
each one closer and closer to God. We operate in this world, in the path of bliss, as words of God spoken in awe and wonder. And so every day we seek and we strive to keep that awe and wonder within us, to find moments of that awe and wonder. I love it when it rains, especially when it's a gentle rain. I go out to my deck and I listen to the tin roof as the rain beats down on it. Tap, 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 tap. And it fills me with awe and wonder at the world. I watch the waters rise because the ground around here is hard clay and it doesn't sink in immediately. And so every time it rains, the water rises and I look at it with awe and wonder. Find your own way in your life to do this. I like to look at the butterflies. There's a hawk that lives somewhere near my house. And often when I'm outside, I see it fly over and I am struck with just sheer awe and exhilaration at the beauty of this magnificent creature. Learn to be a word of God spoken in awe and wonder. Because that is who and what we are. On the path of silence, we are echoes of the voice, empty of self and form. See, this is that yesh and a yin thing we've talked about, the being and non-being of God, the being and non-being of the universe, the fullness and the emptiness. And so just as we are the voice, the words of God living in this world, we are the echoes just the echoes. We have no separate self. I couldn't live here without the farmer who grows the food and the worker who picks it and the driver who delivers it to the store and the stockman who puts it out on the floor and the checker who checks me out at the gro grocer. I couldn't be here without the people who gathered the propane and delivered it to the house and built the tank that it's stored in through which I cook my food. I couldn't be there, be here without the workmen who built this house, who made the bricks, who cut the wood, who shaped the lumber, who nailed it into place. I couldn't be here without the doctors who helped to resuscitate me when I was born and I wasn't breathing. I wouldn't be here without the doctors who helped me countless times in my life when illness and disaster struck. I have no separate self. And if you start to look at your life, you'll see that you don't have a separate self either. Where do you end and the others begin? Where is the end of me and the beginning of the chicken I had for dinner last night, or the mushrooms that I had with it, or the onions. What is the difference between me and the cr cream that's in my coffee, or the coffee itself? 
and the beans or the people who picked them or the people who grew them or the people who shipped them or the people who roasted and ground them. Where do I begin and they end? Because the coffee is part of me, just as the chicken is now part of me. But all of that is part of an even more elaborate system. We are empty of separate self and form. We are echoes of that voice. On the path of creation, we are artists who co-create the world. And this is so important for us to remember, especially in these dark times when dark forces are trying to take over and the powers of Babylon are trying to reclaim a foothold, an even stronger foothold in our country and in our world. We are artists who co-create the world. We have the power to make things different, to make things better. And we have the power to do it together because we are never truly alone. On the path of change, we are unity and praise, the voice and hand of justice. We are unity and praise. We are unity because, as we have already learned, we are not separate selves. And we learn to work in concert with others to manifest the relief of suffering and the end of injustice in this world. We are its voice. We are its hand. We are unity and we are praise. Hallelujah to the Lord God Almighty. We are unity and we are praise. We are the voice of justice. Because if we do not speak out, who will? We are the hand of justice. If we do not stand up, if we do not rise up, if we don't try to make the world a better place, who will? Everything changes, not just us. And there is an end to suffering. Everything changes. All things are impermanent. Not just us. And that's important because sometimes I think that is one of the easiest things for us to forget. It's one of the easiest things for me to forget. Because the idea that one day my life will end is something that I think about probably way too much. You know. But everything will. The mountains will crumble to sand. The governments won't be here a hundred years from now. And even the few that do remain will be so dramatically different that they're almost unrecognizable. I mean, think about it. Just in my country of the United States, a hundred years ago, we didn't vote for our senators. They were appointed by the governors. The entire structure of our government was different. You couldn't vote till you were 21. Women couldn't. 100 years ago? I don't think women could vote at all. Maybe they could. It was around, well, it was around actually this year that would be the centennial of that, wouldn't it? But yeah, things don't stay the same. Nothing stays the same. Everything changes, not just us. And there is an end to suffering. So many people get lost in this idea that suffering is the internal, eternal condition of the world, and I don't believe that to be so. I know through my own meditative practice that I can find a place of peace and ease 
and relief of the suffering that I experience in my joints and in my back. Sometimes it's harder to get there than others, but I can get there. And the real relief of suffering is not to have attachment to it, to be able to let go of it. Christ, the divine imagination. This is one of my favorite images, and it's one that I borrow from uh, William Blake. William Blake refers to Christ very often as the divine imagination, and I think it is such a powerful and evocative image because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And without the Word, nothing would have been made that was made. In the beginning, I played before the Lord, and the Lord was pleased, wisdom tells us. Right? This is such a powerful way of seeing God in my mind. So Christ, the divine imagination, cover us with your wings. The word with us. Now the word here being both the devar the divine word that we talk about, that we learn to say, and we learn to speak into being, and we learn to cooperate with. But I also mean this in the sense that I just said, Christ is the word of God. So the word with us, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there am I also in the midst of them. The word on our right, the word on our left, the word before us, the word behind us, the word beneath us, the word above us, the word in us. In the book of 24 philosophies, there's a wonderful phrase that says, God is an intelligible circle whose circumference is everywhere and whose center is nowhere. It's a wonderful book that basically collects 24 arguments about God. This one is one of my favorites because it encaptures everything that I believe in God. God is an intelligible sphere, which means it's knowable, right? We can know that there's a God. So it's an intelligible sphere. I mean, imagine a sphere, right? It's ball. Okay. Whose circumference, right? Whose line that defines its outermost orbit is everywhere. Oh, okay. And whose center is nowhere. Ooh. So all things are within God. With us, to our right, to our left. Before us, behind us, beneath us, above us, in us. And then three of the most important statements, well, f five actually, I, th I believe in the entire prayer. The word in the ear of all who hear us. This should be our challenge to ourselves. That when people hear us, they hear that divine compassion. They hear that divine creativity. They hear that divine wisdom. And no, we're not going to be perfect about this. 
all the time. You've listened to my podcast. Maybe, well, maybe this is your first. But I, I strive to make this true that whenever you hear anything from coming from my mouth, you're hearing the word, not just me. And sometimes you hear just me. But we try. We work at it. The word in the ear of all who hear us. The word in the eye of all who see us. Being a divine, active word, agent of God, relieving suffering and injustice, co-creating the world, savoring its beauty and its majesty, filled with hospitality and compassion, knowing when and how to let go. Yeah, that's how I would like the world to see me. I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I would like to be seen. The word in the minds of all who think of us. The word in the mind of all who think of us. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be the most powerful thing ever. That every time someone thinks of us, that they think of the word, they think of the power of God flowing through us. Of the interconnectedness of all people and all beings. Of that universal love and compassion. That basic joy that is our true and natural state. Oh, that would be glorious. The word in all our thoughts. All of them. Not just some. All of them. The word in all our acts. In everything that we do. We give rise to the word. That would be a wonderful life. Today we arise through the wonder, emptiness, creativity, and glory. There we are, the four paths again. Of the one in whom we live, move, and have our being. Amen. And that's, of course, a quote from Paul from Acts 17. God is the one in whom we live, move, and have our being. So that is the Lorica that I wrote and that I've been saying for a while now. And I have, through faith, learned its value for my own life and I wanted to share it. And I hope that it is helpful and instructive for you as well. If it is, please let me know. I would actually really like to know because I think when we share our good news with others, it brings strength to everyone involved. So you can find a copy of this at wisdomscry.com. You'll see a big banner that says the Lorica of Creation Spirituality, and you click that, and I'll have both for the solitary devotion and the group devotion. Again, really the difference is uh, whether it's plural or not, which some people can do in their own heads, but um, I know some people that have difficulty with that, so I put them side by side. So if you want the I, 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 you know, the I version or the we version, depending on how you're going to use it, um, it's there for you. And I, I really hope that it brings blessing into your life. It, it has in mine. And when we generally say, it, we follow with a meta practice, which we've talked about before on this podcast. 
and I would like to do with you right now. May I be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May I be filled with joy and the causes of joy. May our families be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May our families be filled with joy and the causes of joy. May our friends be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May our friends be filled with joy and the causes of joy. May the stranger be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May the stranger be filled with joy and the causes of joy. May our enemies be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May our enemies be filled with joy and the causes of joy. Amen. And we also often light candles. We'll light one tall pillar candle when we say the Lorica and five smaller tea lights for the each of the uh, prayers in the meta practice. That's just how we do it. You do you. I want to thank you for listening. I hope that this has brought some meaning to you. This is a bit longer than our podcasts have been because, well, I'm only going to be doing one a week for a while. Uh, if you don't remember, I or if you're new to the show, I am going to be doing National Novel Writing Month in November, and in, I'm doing my prep now. And so instead of doing a daily show, I'm going to be doing a weekly show at least through the end of November, and we'll see how you all react to it. If you really, really like it, we'll keep up doing the weekly format after that. Um, if you do like this episode or this podcast and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate the episode or the podcast, please do that. That does help out quite a bit. It tells the algorithm that it should share me with other people. If you know anybody who you think would benefit from this episode or this podcast, please share. That also helps a lot in getting the word out about what we're doing. And if you want to connect with me, you can do so at I'm Wisdom Cries Out on Twitter. And we have a Facebook page. You can get links to all of that at wisdomscry.com. Um, if you have a buck that you could throw my way, I really would like to make the spiritual practice my um, day job. So I'd be able to get more content to you and more resources available. If you would like to help me in that goal and you have a buck, depending on the app that you're listening to me on, there'll be either a link that says support, support on Anchor, or in the show notes, there'll be a link that says support on Anchor. If you click that, that will take you to the page where you can support me at the $1, $5, $10 level. That money goes to me and helps me to do this more full time. That would really make me happy because I have a lot that I want to share and, you know, I could... Given the world that we live in, I still have to pay the bills. <laughs> so that really would mean a lot to me if you could do that. If you can't, please pray. That does help me out a lot too. And I really could use your prayers right now. At any rate, hopefully you've enjoyed this show in this new format. If you have any... Oh, one last thing. If you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, you can follow me on the Anchor app at anchor.fm. If you go there, download it, you can follow Wisdom's Cry on the app, and you can leave me up to a one-minute voice message that keep it clean, and if, if it's good, I'll use it on the show. 
and you can inspire an episode or get your question answered. And that would be awesome to hear from you. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you. Amen.